Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have the rock band Messer coming on. So it's going to be a really cool interview. We're going to be having Derek, the vocalist, calling in, as well as Maddox, the bassist. But before I bring them on, i also like to do just a brief introduction to my show and then a really cool introduction for this amazing band we're going to interview tonight. So they're one of the many bands I've had the honor and pleasure of interviewing. Some of the bands I've featured on my show are 10 Years, Tremonti, Trivium, Lacey Sturham, Dead, uh, Starset, Six Puppies, and the list goes on. So please, I created this show approximately six years ago because I really wanted to bring artists and entertainers on to support them and help them get their name out there and uh, spread the word about who they are and what they do. A little bit about my background, I have a doctorate in psychology. One of the things that I love to do in my profession is interviewing. And then my other passion is the entertainment industry. So I thought I'd combine these two and create a really unique forum where I'm going to really take you on a cool journey tonight. My interviews are very different Every interview I do is really targeted on the band and artist I'm interviewing or comedian. I've had other types of entertainers on, but this isn't a cookie cutter interview. So you're really going to get a really in-depth interview about who the band is tonight. So although I mentioned I have a background in psychology, I always throw out there that my show is an entertainment show. Um, We're not doing any formal therapy or analysis, but occasionally we do throw in some educational terms if um, psychologically things come up. So we will discuss things as um, deemed fit. If you're tuning in, create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. If you want to call in, the, no- the number is 805-243-1320. And I'm sorry if I'm speaking fast. I just want to at least get the band on and then we'll slow down a little bit. Okay, so Messer, these guys are awesome. They formed approximately 10 years ago in Dallas, Texas. And since these guys have formed, they've had some major success. They've toured with national acts such as Metallica, Blackstone Cherry, Drowning Pool, and Avenged Sevenfold, to name a few. These guys have also had success with hit singles such as Simple Man, Whiskey, and their latest single, which is out right now, titled Make This Life. Check it out, everyone. There's a lyric video to accompany it, really cool video with it. This is getting some major play. These guys have been featured on SiriusXM Octane's Test Drive. It was recently added to Music Choice Rock, as well as many other places, and we'll discuss that tonight. But one of the things that really stands out to me, and then we're going to bring them on and talk about it, is these guys aren't just amazingly talented musicians with a sound that literally, for me, you just can't get out of your head when you hear it. But I think it's their journey that makes these guys who they are today. And this is displayed with their ongoing dedication, their perseverance, and personally, their drive to never settle for anything but the best. These guys have built an amazing team behind themselves that they're going to be using to promote their self-titled album, Be sure to uh, pre-order a copy of it now. It's going to be out on April 20th. And I just saw a day or two ago they were added to the Unstoppable Scream Tour with Red and Lacey Sturm starting in March. So we're definitely going to push that tonight. Finally, thank you so much to Ed Bunker from No Problem Marketing. I've done tons of work with him. He is such a pro and a pleasure to work with. So thank you again, Ed, for setting up this interview. All right, so let's bring on, I don't know if they're on the same line, um, Derek and Maddox. We are on the same line. This is Maddox. How are you? Oh, you are. And this is Derek. Very cool. How are you guys? 
We are doing great. We were just enjoying that wonderful uh, little uh, intro there. Um, very humbled by that. Okay. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you. So I hope much. I, absolutely, guys. I hope I did you justice. <laughs> More so than you, you know. So. <laughs> okay, cool. It's funny. Just to digress, comedians will also, you know, I haven't interviewed comedians in a while, but they'll always be like, oh, my God, why'd you do that? I can't live up to that. You know, they'll start joking around. <laughs> but anyway, I want to focus on um, you guys tonight. So thank you so much again for coming on. It is a pleasure to have you guys on. And I'm super excited to eventually hear this album, but what you have out right now is amazing. So I can't wait to hear what's to come with the album. So let's start a little bit from the beginning, guys. And I know there's two people on, you know, I often interview one, but this isn't a problem. Let's start just telling me a little bit about each of you. I know, why don't we maybe start with um, Derek? You know, I know you grew up, yes, you were born in Alabama, and then you, you moved a little bit. You were in Ohio, you were in Florida. You know, start out from what you can recall at the earliest age, as a real little kid, just describing kind of your personality, what were you like, and any interests you had that were outside of music. Because I always like to give people a nice, you know, roundabout overview of who you are as a person. And, of course, we're going to delve into the music stuff. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think for me, I've always wanted to do music. I mean, I, I remember as a small child, you know, two or three years old, driving my mom crazy all the time, singing along with anything and everything I could. Um, so for me, you know, it's something I think I've always wanted. Um, I do enjoy other things. I love to cook. Some people may not know that, but, uh, I love to cook as well. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, my passion has always been music. My, my father was a musician as well. And it's just something that's always been in my blood, something I've always wanted to do. Okay. All right, cool. So just again, so what was, you know, if you can reflect back with your mom, you know, what was your first memory or what was your mom saying that you were doing in terms of, did you pick up any instruments in addition to singing or was singing kind of your focal point? Well, no, no, I did. I did. I played, um, I started off playing on acoustic guitar, you know, I think that's kind okay. of uh, stuck with me more so than electric. I always stuck with an acoustic guitar, but um, as far as me driving my mom crazy, I remember being really small and um, whenever she would tell me to do something or ask me a question, I'd always answer it with a song, something I'd heard on the radio, you know, sing a line from the song, and it used to drive her crazy. But um, I stuck with it, and I guess it paid off. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll definitely delve more into that. And um, when you were little, you were living originally in Alabama, and then what led to you moving, I guess you were in Ohio, Florida at one point, before eventually you moved out to Texas? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was born in Alabama. Um, my dad was in the military, so we were uh, stationed there and um, okay. lived there for, for a while. And then when my parents actually separated and divorced when I was really young, probably three or four years old, and my mom and us, we moved to Florida. So I lived a lot of time, a lot of my young younger years in Florida, northern Florida to be exact. And then in my, I guess, early high school years is when I moved up to Iowa of all places, Florida to Iowa, a um, little drastic change there, but ended up meeting some of the, you know, some of my still to this day best friends. So um, we're nice. excited to get back up to Iowa real soon. So Cool. And, and then I ended up moving from, here to um, Texas. Right. And real quick, and then I want to get Maddox in the mix here. When you moved from Florida to Iowa, did you move to live with a different family member or did your mom also move there? Yes, it was my mom. She had remarried at that time so we uh, moved up there yeah we moved up there for I think for work for him 
and I got to do basically my junior high and senior years of school in Iowa, okay. in the freezing cold okay. state of Iowa. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, if you can think of any other, you know, interesting, unique things about your, your life as we're, you know, I'm going to move over to Maddox, definitely bring them in, Derek. Sure. So, Absolutely. Maddox, are you originally, you're originally from Texas? Yeah, I'm pretty much born and raised in Fort Worth, um, you know, most of my whole life. So, uh, I'm always excited to get out of this town. <laughs> okay. I love Fort Worth. Fort so Worth's good. Great. Yeah, so similar to Derek, you know, and again, if there's anything interesting, you know, you played sports as a little kid or, you know, anything you can pull in right around whether yeah, before you got I involved always, in music. I, Go ahead. I was going to, I always, uh, like, like Derek, I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, uh, with a, a passion for music from an early age. Uh, my, my dad was a, a big music lover, and uh, some of my fondest memories growing up were going to the sound warehouse and getting the, the latest cassette tapes that were coming out that particular day and uh you know my dad had like a huge music collection from vinyl to cassettes and um i i remember being um really how i got started playing guitar was in the fifth grade uh my elementary school was having a contest they they had recently been the beneficiaries of 15 acoustic guitars that they were going to be offering acoustic guitar lessons in lieu of music class and of course that was back when we still actually had music in school um, right. But uh, you had to write you had to write an essay and then be selected, and only 15 fifth graders and 15 sixth graders were going to be selected for this class. And um, I was in honors English class or an advanced English class, and I just liked to creative write. My head was always in the clouds. I kind of always been a, a dreamer in that sense, and so I just took an opportunity to write a cool essay, and then I was I was picked for it and. They were teaching us basic folk songs like uh, Three Blind Mice or uh, Drunken Sailor, you know, but I learned, like, basic chord structure. But more importantly, I learned mm -hmm. that I, I wanted to play uh, guitar, you know, uh, for real, and, and I asked for an electric guitar for Christmas, I think, that year, and um, I got one. And uh, I always wanted to learn that intro to For, for Those About to Rock from ACDC. <laughs> That's really what was my first, like, I needed to learn how to play that. I needed that. So, um that was it for me. And then from there, you know, I, I played all through, you know, my, all of my adolescent years. There was a brief period where I stepped away from it for a while, but uh, got sucked back in and, you know, I've been doing it ever what since, but you? it really wasn't until Messer that I took it serious, serious. Okay. Okay. And um, with each of you, too, just, you know, throw in a couple of, you know, growing up little kid, you know, adolescents. What were some of the bands that you guys were listening to? Who did you like? You know, who who inspired you? Well, yeah, well, well, for me, okay, so for me, I had an older stepsister. So I got exposed to a lot of and, – and an older brother as well. So I got exposed to both of their generations of music, like from her, Fleetwood Mac. You know, I got turned on to Fleetwood Mac and – um and Peter Frampton, you know, and those two that, you know, to this day, I still love all of that stuff. And then on the other side of it, you know, I was getting exposed to, like, Kiss and bands like that. And then as well as country stuff at that time, you know, the old country, the real country stuff. And then I guess when I got a little <laughs> bit older, I discovered The Doors. And once I heard The Doors, I think that was kind of the direction my mind went for a while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, and you did know, you uh, – Go ahead. Sorry, Maddox. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, you know, for, for me, uh, um, I was exposed to a lot of, like, uh, uh, Metallica and, um, you know, Motley Crue and Van Halen. And a lot of, like, just that 80s rock, uh, you know, I think the Texas Jam was a big oh, deal. Yeah. So any, anybody was on the Texas Jam was into But um, I was really lucky that my dad was really into, you know, modern music of the time. So I kind of got exposed to what was always the newest, most underground, up-and-coming music before anybody else did. Cool, cool. And I know that, you know, both of you said, you know, Maddox, you said that your father was a big fan of music, and, and Derek, your dad was into music. Was anyone else in your family involved in the music industry, whether that means playing in it or, you know, working as an entertainment attorney? You know, any anything like that where there's kind of this in your blood, so to speak, or, you no, know, you guys are – kind of on the outside a little bit well for me this is Derek for me um it was definitely my father that was for me that got me you know kind of into it at that time um I never really got the chance to meet either one of my grandfathers it just whatever reason never happened so I don't know if they were into music like that at all but for me definitely my my dad is what pushed it on to me and what did your dad play he was a singer as well, singer and also played okay. the uh, guitar. Cool, very cool. And what did, if you don't mind me do, asking you, what did your um, what did your mom do for a living? My mom was uh, back when I was a kid. She was a hairstylist, actually. Um, yeah, okay. She did that, that. and then um, she's really artistic as well with drawing and stuff like that. Her and my uncle both were very artistic and you know with drawing and uh, painting, but. Um, other than that, she just, you know, was a, basically a house mom. Okay, strip club? cool. At a strip club, no. <laughs> Not at a strip club, a house mom. Raising kids. House mom, all right. And and what about you, Maddox? I know you said your dad was definitely a, a fan and of uh, music. Was anyone in your family, again, involved in bands or playing or had some aspect in the music industry? Uh, my dad, I think, had played in high school, um, you know, like a baritone sax and that kind of a thing, but – uh, honestly, no. You know, uh, my dad was an entrepreneur, so like my background is like the business and entrepreneurial side of it, and uh, you which know. is great for us. It's been so helpful. You know, Maddox's background and that really, you know, pushes this machine along for sure. Yeah, and we're gonna get into that because I want to hear about that. What did your um, what did your dad do for a living, Maddox? Well, he was a dreamer, you know. So anything okay. that came along that he could possibly. So, you know, we did all the Amways and the Tupperwares and the Kirby vacuum cleaner. I mean, all that stuff. But ultimately, my dad had uh, had a real success in uh, a mini blind business that was really big in the, you know, 80s and 90s. Everybody here in Texas, it was hot and needed window treatments and um, was real mm-hmm. successful uh, in, in that industry for a really long, long, long time. And um, that was, again, working for the family business and you know, that's really where I got my work ethic from. So, uh, you know, where all my friends were going out and uh, having a good time at Six Flags during the summer, I was spending my summers working um, with my dad to earn money for, you know, I mean, I was spoiled. I got whatever I wanted, but I, I worked for it, and I had the opportunity mm-hmm. to work for it, and I did. Um, and learn nice. from it. And learn from it. Exactly. And that's, yeah, I want to get into a little bit more of what you do for a living, Maddox. I think that's really interesting. You all seem to have some creative backgrounds even outside of the music, which is really cool. Do you have any siblings, Maddox? Siblings? Yes. 
Uh, I have yep. a, a younger brother. Okay. Uh, who's six years younger than me, and kind of the same thing. And he also is in the music business uh, as well, but um, his was kind of secondary to his uh, professional motocross career. So, uh, you know, he, from a very young age, um, you know, there's actually a story. I traded my first guitar that I had gotten for Christmas after getting frustrated with not being able to play that ACDC riff to a kid in the neighborhood who had a dirt bike. I didn't ask permission. I just I just did it. I just traded it and uh, wow. put it in the garage. And then I came home from school one day, and my bike was missing, and I, I was all freaking out. But then I, I, I could hear it coming up the street, and it was my dad. He had skipped work that day and had been out riding my dirt bike all day. And was like, <laughs> this is amazing. Let's go buy a bunch of dirt bikes. And so we went and bought a bunch of dirt bikes. And uh, But my younger brother at the time, who was only six years old, um, got on a dirt bike the very first time and it was very apparent and evident that he was going to be very successful at it. And, um, wow. a large, large portion of my family's, you know, efforts and energy went into cultivating his career and he had a, a great deal of success. And, um, he's essentially retired from that sport now, but he definitely, I mean, he's got a motocross track in his backyard, a BMX track in his front yard. And, uh, three wow. girls, one of which is potentially bound to be uh, a first female Supercross champion uh, at some point because they're all just bred and born to race dirt bikes. Hey, and real quick That's on awesome. that too, uh, we got a, we have an upcoming video that we actually filmed out at Maddox's brother's house that's got this amazing track. You yeah, know, with all, all these, these riders. professional, these guys have got gold medal X Games, you know, BMX. That's I don't know awesome. all their names, but there's some real awesome right. dudes. That came out and so I work. When that video comes out, it's going to be super cool because it's going to have some really awesome professional BMX stunt riders in it. It's amazing. <laughs> we can't wait for it to come out. Actually. That's cool. And if if you don't want me asking Maddox, because I know some people that are really into dirt bike and watching that stuff and even going to see it. What's what's your brother's name? Uh, his name was Scott Trimble. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to mention that because, I, like I said, I know some yep. people. I even know some people who shoot shoot a lot of BMX and different types of, you yeah. know, quad and stuff like that. Cool. Oh, yeah. Very yeah, cool. He, was real big into that. he got into the hip-hop uh, music side of it, too, just because I think that sport and that particular genre of music that uh, I call it hipster hip-hop. But um, he uh, <laughs> ended up uh, founding a, and, and co, co-managing a record label called Fake Four Records that has uh, like 40 wow. of some of the most amazing uh underground hip hop artists and they tour all over the world and uh come back from Europe just got back from Europe yeah Yeah. so uh and and they gotta they do a big showcase at South by Southwest every year with a their own stage and um he's got a whole thing going on with that and then that kind of crosses over too because I'll lend uh sometimes Derek will do vocals or backing vocals on some of his stuff or I'll go in and lay bass or guitar Chad, our producer, even mixed my brother's last uh, record, which is doing really well for him. So um, it is still all in the family in that sense, I guess. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Now, wait, is he is he a singer, your brother? Well, he's a he's a music producer, and uh, but you know, typically he's a guy who's producing um, tracks or beats or whatever they oh, call okay, it, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. uh, loops and things, uh, but for other gotcha. guys to come in and then apply their craft too. But he, at the same time, every now and then <laughs> we'll do an album where he, he does the whole album. So it's just, 
it's very folk art. Like we get arguments because uh, Messer and in, in our, you know, it's, it's by our self description, I guess, is very high art, very high fashion art. And then my brother's is like going to the 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 trailer, the Trader's Village folk, you know, art or arts and crafts because it's very artsy craftsy and very kind of homemade mm-hmm. in that sense. So we have these two completely different ideas of of what our individual art forms are uh he appreciates what we do but at the same time he's like i would never do that and at the same and vice versa <laughs> like i appreciate what he does but i'm like you know that just it hurts my head you know yeah. <laughs> but it's right. good it's good it's music great. it's it great really. music it's just two different two different mixed philosophies or two different you know like we want to be we want to be all over the world and he wants if, if everybody in the world knows about them and he's got to tear it apart and start over because it's now it's it's not underground. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Very, very interesting background. So let's talk a little bit about the, the both of you. And if you want, Maddox, you could start and then we'll go to Derek because I think it's interesting before we get into talking about how Messer came together. And I think it was just kind of a, one of those things where the stars were just aligning with each of you guys randomly meeting each other at different places. It was just fascinating to see all that stuff happening. But Maddox, in addition to working for your dad's company, were you doing anything else in terms of after high school? Did you go to, you know, go on to college or pursue any other career? Were you mainly working with your dad's business before you got into the hairstyling? Uh, well, yeah, I think um, there was a, a period where the economy kind of had taken a real crap, and uh, <laughs> you know, here and everywhere. I don't remember what years that was, but like in the late '80s or, or you know, yeah. where the that first uh, building boom busted, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, uh, my dad had you know had fallen on hard times with with the business financially. And remember, we had lost our house and cars had gotten repoed, oh. that kind of a thing. And so uh, we had to move into this uh, older neighborhood into like a rent house. And um, you know, I was uh, I think I was maybe thirteen at that time or fourteen. And to help to help pay bills with my family, I took a summer job with a neighbor across the street who uh, built swimming pools. And uh, okay. you know, it was real. I was you know real mixing cement and carrying you know unloading bricks or breaking rocks. But at, I learned this guy was also in a band, so it kind of helped really fuel my music at early early age. They were in a in a cover band, and you know they drank beer and smoked pot, but they went and worked every single day. And you know it was a good it was a craft that I was eventually learning. I became a stonemason and a tile setter. Stonemason. And, and I, yeah, I was a stonemason. But, but I learned wow. these guys became like father figures to me at the same time. Um, and really kind of mentoring and molding a lot of my formidable, formidable teenage years. They taught me how to drink beer and how to smoke weed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, it, they taught me a trade that I, that I eventually grew into a multi-million dollar business and sold. Um, and wow. You know, to this day, you know, there are probably, I don't know how many, 10 or 15 of my friends that grew up working for me that I taught this crap to in this trade that are now, you know, basically have raised their families off of this uh, knowledge that was passed on, you know. Um, Okay. And I sold that business. And then when I sold that business is when I was like, I want to do something completely different with my life. And, uh, right. And going to hair school was, 
Not a far stretch because as soon as I said it to my family, they were like, well, that makes perfect sense. Not in like that anything that was other weird other than I was always – if I was at work, I had no problem being dirty and being at work. But when I was at home, I wanted to be manicured, haircut, uh, very much into fashion, <laughs> no, very metrosexual cool. before that was even a term. Um, right. <laughs> you know. But just right. – I, I just grew up – I you know, I idolized Tom, Tom Cruise in, in Risky Business and that whole – you know, having that hair – Top Gun, you know, all of that stuff as a kid. So um, somehow I just became a very meticulous, uh, obsessive <laughs> person about hygiene or cleanliness or any of that stuff really. But, um, yeah, so – Okay. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much. But when I went to hair school, it, it made sense to my family, and it was something that I wish, in retrospect, I uh, I would have done at a you know way earlier in life. But um, you know, it, it was definitely a humbling experience because it was I was essentially going on a second career, and I was in a hair school with eighteen year old girls, and I was you know uh, considerably right. older than them, and had all this life experience. But at the, I, we were at the same level because I couldn't cut hair either. So, <laughs> actually, Saul Maddox well, said hair show. Yeah, that's I mean, kind of how Derek and I kind of. Yeah. That's going back to the line of stars is that, you know, I was actually doing. Right. Well, we're going to get into uh, that. Hair on we're going to get into that. So let's let's go. Um, let's flip back to Derek a little bit and just you know tell me a little okay. bit about you know what happened with you in terms of after you left high school, did you go on to any additional schooling and you know what did what, what were you doing work wise well, really, and then talk about let's talk, yeah. talk about your transition to Texas too. Sure, sure. Well, when I first, um, a couple of my friends had moved to, we all, after high school, we're like, what are we going to do? A couple of us said, we're going to move to Florida. We're going to go back to South Florida, hang out on the beach, get jobs, be bums, whatever. And then a couple of our other best, you know, my best friends said, man, we're going to move to Dallas. Um, one of the guys' dad was living down here in Dallas, and, you know, um, they're like, you need to come down to Dallas. Let's go. To, and they we were like, okay, well, you go check it out. So they came down here for about two months, and they're like, you guys have got to come down here. So we decided, heck, let's move to Dallas. So um, okay. we had going, going away parties in Iowa for about a month. <laughs> Kept saying, we're, going, we're leaving this weekend. And then we had like a month long of parties. And then we uh, moved down here. We all piled in a van, my buddy's van, and we drove down to Dallas. And I think, uh, you know, within a month or so, I'd put together a little band, you know, my first project band in Dallas to try to get into the rock and roll scene um, because when mm-hmm. you, you know, coming from a town like Iowa into a big city like Dallas and seeing how these bands had these huge lights and big drum sets and the PA systems are super loud. It was just like, it grabbed you, you know, and I was like, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. Um, nice. And so immediately did that, you know, and just kind of got out into the Dallas scene and just, you know, watching that whole thing grow and, um, and then, um, Ended up getting out of that band and meeting up with the guys um, in my old band right before I got into Messer. And we had some pretty okay. good success with that project. Was that, um, was that July Alley? That was. That was July Alley. Okay. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. That was really interesting. I mean, I read that, you know, you guys were signed to Columbia. Um, you know, we were, we were. It was really cool. Band. Yeah, it was a very unique time in music, you know, at that time. And um, Nick Terzo had spotted me in Memphis, Tennessee, at this wow. producer showcase that we were playing. Um, and he came up to me after our show and was like, um, "Hey, you know, my name's Nick Terzo. Work with this label." 
sounded really good. I'd like to sit on and talk to you about, you know, some doing something. And I was real cocky at that time, young, and thought I was everything. And <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, well, you signed any bands? He said, yeah, I just signed this little band called Alice in Chains. And my jaw just dropped. I'm like, oh, my God, took my foot out of my mouth. And so um, so that was the start of that relationship. We, um, you know, cultivated that for a while. And then we had to go back and forth for about five, six months negotiating a contract and uh, ended up doing that for a while and okay. had some, you know, and when was that. when was that around time, um, Derek, time frame wise? When was July Alley around about? Um, that would have been like early mid to nineties to the late nineties. Yeah. 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 Cool. Very cool. Okay, so yeah, it was what happens totally different after- than this than uh, Messer's sound, but very, very cool. Okay. So then in the interim let's let's start to get into, you know, how eventually you meet Javier, and then you walk into Maddox's hair salon, and all that stuff comes together. So after July Alley, what did you do in the interim between that and then Messer starting to form well, and get together? When, when July Alley kind of uh, stopped for a moment, I just kind of uh, decided I wanted to get myself clean and sober and, you know, reevaluate my life. So I stopped music for a while. I got away from it, and um, – just okay. kind of walked away for a little and, bit, you know. And what were you and doing? Became, was, what were you doing when you I was, when you walked I away? I was a dad. I bartended. I managed nightclubs. I got in to be a okay. mortgage loan officer for a while. <laughs> I mean, all these crazy, crazy things, you know. But wow. but every one of those jobs all had an aspect of rock and roll to it, you know. Every one of them, mm-hmm. everything I did was uh, all building me up to be, you know, in this band eventually. Okay, so congratulations, though, on, like you said, getting sober and doing what you needed to do. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, it's a big thing in the industry today, and I think it's important for people to be able to talk about that a little bit. We don't have to get into the details tonight, but, you know, knowing that people do, you know, get themselves what they need in terms of whether it's help or support to get beyond that. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So, the best thing I ever did. I'm, you know, I don't regret it for a, for a moment. That's great. Okay, so let's uh, talk a little bit so we can start getting into Messer because we've spent a lot of time with the background, which is really cool to kind of build up to how this all comes to be. So yeah, talk a little bit about how you met Javier, and then uh, how Maddox's hair salon comes into the picture, and. Poor Kenny is traveling to get an audition in Phoenix, and his car breaks down, and he ends up staying for a while. And I mean, it's just he couldn't have written a better story. I mean, it was just fascinating. Oh, I'm telling you. Yeah. So how it started off with me, and this is the craziest thing too. So my bass player for my old band, his wife had actually gone to school with Javier. So one night she was out with Javier, and she like called me up and said, "Hey." I want you to meet this friend of mine, Javier. He's a bass player, guitar player, and he was playing with this other band, I think at the time, called Pimpadelic. And I'm like, cool, mm-hmm. where are you guys at? We'll meet up, have a drink. And uh, we did. I met them up and met Javier. And then about a year later, when we decided to get the, the band actually together, she had to remind us that we had met previously. Neither he nor I were even remembered meeting that previous year, but um, but we had, and okay. the same thing with the with Maddox because I had actually was dating a girl who was at the same hair uh, school he was. So one night she took me to a 
one of their fashion shows. And one of the main things going on at this fashion show was featuring Maddox, his whole thing. So I got to see him before actually us hooking up too. And it took me a while to remember that. Until someone reminded me, like, that was him. Well, at that like, time, oh. my look was changing. Yeah. Every week, I, my hair color was different. Or <laughs> so, we didn't even know. And then when I walked back in, I'll, you know, let him take the rest from there. But, yeah, yeah that was just kind of crazy how I ended up meeting both of these guys, you know. And it, you know, took a year later for us all to really reconnect. But it was pretty cool. Yeah, okay. for sure. All right, go ahead, Maddox. You know, we ended up hooking up in the salon. Um, uh, and we started, you know, striking up the conversation. I, I had... Uh, essentially kind of put music down uh, in my life to focus on, on doing hair. I, I always had that, like, you know, I, I, I guess it's just a, it's just a compassion for, for people, which kind of was, is what kind of brought me into doing hair uh, was because I had the, you know, uh, the ability to have that connection with, with people. Um, mm-hmm. And it was something that filled uh, the void from not, performing because when you're performing on stage um you know i always would give so much of myself as a performer and then what you would get back would be that gratification from the fans and then you would feed off of each other and it was an exchange of energy that was always you know for the most part pleasant and doing hair kind of did that same thing although it was more just one-on-one um Mm -hmm. so it it was filling that void in my life and i was like i'm gonna just focus on on music but then when uh when when Derek had, had come in and we started talking about music and he showed me some of their songs that they had and I was like man these are these are really good songs and uh, I'd already known Javier because um, we had crossed paths in one of his bands and and one of my other bands that I was in on a tour we had hung out and we had kind of Javier and I kind of bonded over our love for for magic uh, because we were both really kind of closet magicians and you know we were just really into that. Um, oh, cool! All but right. <laughs> you know, then they they invited me down to uh, the compound, Kenny's famous compound, where Kenny still lives now, um, where they where they rehearsed in the back room uh, to come down and uh, and try out. And I, I it was actually, really more of not even a tryout, really more just a jam. You know, yeah. let's just you know let's just get together and see what we can do, and and see how it feels. The the irony of it is is I actually didn't uh, play bass. Uh, <laughs> And I didn't have a bass. I, I played guitar. <laughs> but he did not let that interfere with him. He but went and got a bass. I didn't tell it. them that, but on my way to that on my way to that very first little jam session, uh, I had Craig listed a, an amp and a bass, and I didn't know jack squat about either one, really. Um, but I just had gotten something that was on the way in route. You know, That was my deciding factor was what was on the way to the compound. And, um, you know, I uh, – of course, Kenny's compound. They didn't tell me it was like on the third or fourth floor yeah. or whatever it was. Falling this heavy, heavy <laughs> amp up three oh, flights. Oh gosh! But, but we did, and uh, you know, there was just a an energy I think that was immediately apparent between uh, at the time just the four of us that um, you know was like, wow, this is kind of special. This is kind of cool. And didn't we didn't really know what it was yet at that point? You know what I mean? The riffs were just kind of groovy and everything, but I, I don't know. It just it just felt right, and uh, you know it just kind of grew from there until you know meeting Chad and bringing Donnie in, and then you know the, the rest of they say is history. But um, you know okay. I, I think so. I think if you ask any of us, I don't think any of us would ever could could have done this. You know, 
without all the prior experiences in our lives and the bands and the, our you know history before for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. I think yeah, I think that sometimes in life you know things happen a little later, so to speak. And like you said, I think it was all a build up to what you guys are now becoming as a group and you know a really solid you know band that's that's making some great music. And uh, what did you guys do? So you met around was it 2010? Yeah, I would say it was about 2009, 2009, 2010. Okay, so just in brief, let's do this, so then we can kind of fast forward, because I definitely want to get into listening to Make This Life, talking about Chad, talking about Ben Gross, talking about, you know, Ed Bunker and all these amazing people that you guys are building this team um, behind you. So between around 2010, 2014-ish, since it took you about four years Right, to record this album, which is, I want to definitely talk about that too. You know, what were you guys doing in the interim? I know you guys were, you know, you're definitely playing shows with big bands. Did you have management at the time? You know, tell us a little bit about between that time period, and then we're going to start to get into, go ahead. I think at that time period, you know, we were just kind of figuring out who we were uh, individually and getting to know Mm -hmm. each other in in that sense, um, and really I think that's where the formidable bond of this unit really grew from. Um, but at that time period, there still was a lot of like this uh, in the you know in the music business. That's very early on in the rebirth, I, I call it. And um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I put the music business on a timeline essentially that goes from from Elvis to Nirvana, and you know, basically, you know, the year two thousand was like starting over from Elvis and so on and so forth. So that first few years, we really didn't know what our plan was. We knew there was, we weren't going to get signed by some label and give us, they weren't going to do like with Derek in July. That wasn't going to happen again. And we knew that, but we, we, we were smart enough to know that, um, that there was a way. uh, And I looked at it from my, I'm a business entrepreneur background and where everybody else was seeing all this doom and gloom and it's the end of the world with the business i saw the opportunity <laughs> that well wait a minute we can do whatever the heck we want to do no because rules. there's no rules exactly so, uh, right this whole idea started out with chad and us as just like a big you know f you to the music business we don't need you anyway kind of an attitude um from the beginning <laughs> right um, and you okay. know but the uh, the business model has grown and molded and shaped, and I'm never one – and that's the one thing that I love about this whole entire group is that we're all humble to know that somebody may have more or better information, which may change the logic, you know, and I do everything, you know, logically as best I can. Um, that wasn't always the case. I mean, early on, you know, there was a lot of, of conflict because of direction, you know, um, and just not everybody was on the same page yet, you know. Uh, Chad and I, and you know, uh, Eric, uh, I'm sorry, Nick had a. We all had a, a vision and idea, of kind of where we were headed with the band sonically from the album, and uh, all you know everything that we wanted to do with it. And early on, it was like, well, we just let's just put out a song, let's just get something done. And, and Chad always told right. us that there, you know, there is no wine before it's time, and uh, you know, eventually. Definitely. Uh, we all got on the same page. Yeah, well, let's do this because I definitely want to talk about the story behind, you know, how you met the L.A. writer and producer, Chad Genderson, and um, get into all that good stuff. So let's let's take a quick break. Let's talk a little bit about Make This Life. I definitely want to feature that, promote that tonight. It's having 
some amazing success right now. I've heard it on, you know, Octane's Test Drive, one of my favorite stations where I find some cool up-and-coming music. Um, you guys also have it on Music Choice Rock now, as well as a ton of other places. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about this track. It definitely has some deep and powerful lyrics and a message in it, um, and then we'll check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we've been just uh, very honored by how much success it is having, but I think, the, you know, that reason is because of the story of the song. You know, it's at that time right now where there's, you know, every day you turn on your TV and it's doom and gloom. You know, they feed you what they want you to believe and this and that. And we're just like, you know what? We don't need that in our lives. You know, you got to make your own life worth fighting for and dying for. So you do what you have to do to make your own self strong. And that's kind of, you know, the people standing up for themselves and our, you know, I guess our finger at that negative side of the media that, you know, tries to feed negativity all the time. You know, this is your life. Make it worth, you know, fighting for. Definitely, definitely. Anything else you want to add, Maddox? No, I mean, I said I think Derek really nailed it. I mean, you know, when we were writing this was kind of during the uh, presidential election time period, and it was before I think we'd even heard the term fake news wasn't really coined yet. Mm -hmm. But um, Mm -hmm. there's the line in the song, you know, uh, one-sided conversation, and and that's just being like, you know, the force-fed, what you – are like our my parents generation you know like they are just like believe everything that comes across that tv so openly um without question <laughs> right. and our generation uh-huh. is to question everything you know turn off the um, tv man turn it off and i have i've cut the cords from the tv i'm one of those people that um about oh god about a year and a half ago um i, I just i cut the cord I, i'm not doing it anymore so i i only watch like documentaries on Netflix or something that's going to uplift or, mm-hmm. or positively. I watched a great one about uh, a German couple traveling the world in a, in a bus the other day, and it just was so uplifting to hear their real human story. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. So let's do this. I'll put you on hold. We're going to check out Make This Life, and then we, when we come back, we're going to start talking about, as you said, getting into meeting Chad and the development of the album and all that good stuff. All right? Awesome. Let's do it. All right, hold on. All right, everyone. Derek and Maddox right now from Messer on the Carrie Edelman Show. Awesome interview with these guys. We're going to check out their hit single, Make This Life, as I mentioned earlier. It is out now. Definitely download it. Check out the lyric video. It's a really cool video that they have out for it. And we'll be back in a moment.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, Make This Life by Messer. It is out now. Get a copy of it. Also, be sure to download, not download, sorry, pre-order a copy of their self-titled debut album that's going to be out on April 20th, and we'll definitely bring them back on, talk about some of the perks that you will get when you pre-order their album. All right, guys, great, great, great track. Awesome. Love it. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool stuff. Um, before I forget, what do you guys have available for the pre-order? You know, what are some of the perks and goodies that are in, involved in this? Well, we have, for one, um, we are, are putting the album out on vinyl, and uh, not just 140-gram vinyl, but we're also going to have it on 180-gram audio file vinyl for the Diamond package on our Pledge Music package, which includes stuff like, uh, limited edition uh, shirts. Um, we have uh, the VIP uh, laminate that every time you come to a Messer show, uh, it's going to get you 20% off um, your merch order at every live show, and that's going to be really cool and collectible. Um, cool. Of course, we have uh, a lot of amazing artwork that Craig Howell did uh, that really wrapped this whole entire uh, soundscape really, really beautifully. Um, so the packaging that it comes in itself is, is going to be really cool. Yeah, collectible. that's a collector. Yeah, the, the box itself is a collectible. I mean, uh, we're going to create an unboxing experience with each one of these um, packages. packages. So, um, cool. And then we're going to have some special signed items. Uh, there are some, some bonus items that are not listed that, uh, like for the first uh, 50 pledgers, I think they're going to be getting a uh, – uh, a limited edition um, baseball trucker hat that's going to and be emblazoned with our Don't Mess Her With Texas logo. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very cool. Great. Sounds like some awesome stuff that is available for the fans. So everyone definitely uh, pre-order this and pick a copy of it up. All right. So let's get Please. back to share with us the story behind um, how you met the L.A. writer and producer, uh, Chad Gendison, who would become, again, one of the major people behind and force behind this album. How'd you meet him? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We were actually on a tour across the country, headed out west, and we were – Cece is our road manager, our tour manager, and he told us about this guy, a friend of his, Chad Gendison. He goes, man, this guy is a Producer, unbelievable producer. And he knew him through the red jumpsuit apparatus, guys. Exactly. That band keeps coming back. Oh, wow. Like seven degrees okay. of red jumpsuit apparatus <laughs> that we're going to get to. That's degree number one yeah, yeah. if you're keeping score. Yeah, that is. That's it. So Cece okay. was working with red jumpsuit apparatus, and I believe he and Chad were in a – he worked with one of Chad's bands before that. Yeah. Wasn't it Secondhand Serenade? Secondhand Serenade, and they yeah. had been out on tour with red jumpsuit apparatus, and um, they had become friends. Yeah. But, CC had heard us, and he was, like, blown away, and at the time, he was like, yo, you've got to meet my friend Chad. So he invited Chad out to our show, which was in Hollywood at the Cat Club at the time, and um, Chad came out, and after the show, he just came up to me and said, man, I don't know what your plans are, but cancel them. You're going to stay at my place, and we're going to make a hit song. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. <laughs> Considering we would probably be nice. in a band if we hadn't done that. So, <laughs> so we said, what the heck? Yeah. Okay, and is that Simple Man? That's where Simple Man, yeah. Simple Man emerged from that 
trip and that chance of meeting uh, <laughs> Mr. Chad. Chad Gendison, who is a gem and a, yeah. a hidden Our gem best friend, out really. there. Yeah, 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 hidden gem out there that I, I just can't wait for the world, you know, to hear more about him as well. Yeah, like real quick, like on that, like even, um, you know, this whole project, it's not just about this this band as much as it, as it is really about this team, and we're we're mm-hmm. launching more than just these songs we're launching the careers uh you know trying to rebuild careers and uh in the music industry uh, and so creating jobs creating there. jobs is really what this is about uh you know i mean we just hired a new merch guy we just i know yeah <laughs> uh but no for real though um you know there are an amazing amount of really talented singer songwriters and producers and mixers and all kinds of true craftsmen that are no longer getting the work that they were getting before um, or are no longer able right. to sustain themselves on, on singer-songwriter royalties because nobody buys albums anymore and they're only getting lucky enough to write on a single. You only get paid for a single. But, you know, so we wanted to, you know, create an album of, of great songs that, that showcase all of that stuff. But, you know, we, we handcrafted this album by a group of craftsmen, and Chad being one of those, um, who is, like I said, an amazing songwriter, an incredible producer, and a really a, a super competent mix engineer. Um, and a heart of gold. You know, and definitely the heart of gold. And uh, really definitely. enjoys uh, wearing onesies. He likes, like, the foot with the, the, bunny, foot, the, the bunny, bunny onesie. onesie. Yeah. His favorite pajama. But really? Okay. But then going down to guys so, like, like like Ben Gross and even further on, it goes even even deeper with that. Yeah, we're just we're definitely going to get into Ben. But talking a little bit more about Chad, I think something that was interesting, and I think you briefly mentioned it before we went in to listen to the song. And again, kudos to Chad, phenomenal song. Simple Man's great too. Whiskey's awesome. You know, again, I can't wait to hear the album in its entirety. But I think something you mentioned, and you said there was, it sounded like maybe some interpersonal you know, strife, so to speak, between some of the members was, you know, they just wanted to put out a song, like, let's get something out there. And it sounded like Chad kind of, you know, put on the brakes a little bit and said, wait, you know, we need to do this probably the right way. You know, tell us a little bit about that. I think that's so important today because I can't tell you how many bands I've interviewed and some really big bands. And sometimes I listen to the music and I'm like, oh, it seems rushed or something happened here. The vocals are buried. Why they do that? And I just... You know, and that's not what's going on with you guys. I mean, you can tell you put the time in and you put the effort in. And I think that is so paramount and it shows with, with what you guys do with chat. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, it, listen, this was a hard sell for, for all of us at one point, um, given where we were uh, in life with our careers, where we were in our personal lives. Mm-hmm. But to convince, you know, Anybody to put real, and real quickly yeah. too, we had a lot of steam behind us at that time. Too. Oh yeah, we stopped. You know what I mean? <laughs> we we turned down more shows, some big shows that you know. Oh wow! Get off. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Mean? Yeah, we so, did. There was that. Like we're, we, so we got to stop touring. We got to stop, stop everything, everything. Shut it all down. Go back. Rebuild it from the ground up to the point where we're like, you know, literally redesigning. From our logo to our branding, our imaging, and really thought it out. Stage sound, everything, you know, stage every show. aspect of it. Yeah, wow. you're right. But it was a hard sell in the beginning. 
um, not because it was of the cost of it or what it was going to cost, but just the amount of time and effort and energy. And mm-hmm. at a time where people were going, what are you doing? There is no, you're never going to get signed. There's no, you know, and, but we just kept saying, nah, we're, we got something here. We're, you know, we're not sure what, but we're going to keep crafting and, and this gemstone until it becomes this, you know, precious gem that we're holding now. Mm-hmm. It was apparent to us. I mean, we, it we, was. We, to us, people, you know, can say, well, did you ever know? Yeah, we yeah, knew. We knew from the day we started we that, we had heard, that we had something, um, not even with the songs, but just what people would say is like they always, you got that it thing, you know, and I think that we was our, the performance, you know, the way that we performed as a group of, uh, the way that we played, the level of intent. And then Chad just came mm-hmm. in and you know, refined that to, uh, you know, and essentially turned us Sharpened into into the knife. Yeah, it, it did. Turned us into, you know, essentially five professional, you know, almost world class musicians at this point, you know, um, with just bestowing all of his wisdom and knowledge and a hyper focus, essentially. I don't think anybody's ever really done anything like this, like a producer, where we just come in and we just, you know, ground up, build something. Um, you know, like this, and, and take the time to do it. So, um, definitely. You know, we we definitely, definitely. Knew, Go ahead. I was say we definitely knew that it was it's something that was worth putting. Special. It was special. It's worth putting the time into. I mean, we spent That's that much. Great. We spent That's a long great. time just doing the artwork. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no we decision was rushed. Yeah, I want to. I definitely want to. Yeah, I want to ask a little bit about that because I'm very interested in asking some of my psychology background questions because I was looking at the artwork and stuff, but um, yeah, just pull in real quick, you know, definitely, you know, throw in a, a couple of words about, you know, Ben Gross. I know that that was another look like, you know, challenge, so to speak, in terms of, was it you Maddox who kind of sent a message to him and, you know, mentioned yeah. who you were, what you were doing and then got an opportunity, right. To, to meet him, which is great. Yeah. I love his work. Um, you know, when we, we were sitting around, you know, we, we found ourselves in a, you know, uh, I guess an unfortunate position, a quandary where we had one person who was going to mix the album and um, that had fallen through. And, but at the same time, when we had decided to go with that other mixer, it was a way, way early in the process. And we didn't too really, early, too early. And we didn't really know what we would have or where we would be, but I knew based off the board mixes that we had, the tracks ready to deliver to whoever, based on those, I at that point, I felt like we could deserve to ask damn near anybody that we could possibly think of. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, with social media, uh, and again, I'm always been, I'm, I'm a production nerd, so I kind of have been, had been Facebook stalking all these producers, you know, because I mean, it, it's like, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I mean, like I, I, I yeah. stalk the Churcos, and I stalk, you know, Ben, and I stalk, you know, Chris Lord. I, I follow all their social medias because I want to learn, you know. I want to learn and right. understand how they, you know, how they operate their hot dog factory. And uh, I decided, <laughs> let's, just, let's just send him a message, you know. And I sent him a message, and I got the hard I got the hard sell response back, you know, contact my people, this or that, it's this much yeah. money, blah, 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 no questions asked. And and I was like, all right, that that's cool, you know. I said, would you be willing to take a meeting? And, and you know, I'll, I'll I'll fly out to Burbank. Me and Chad were going. I knew that right. you know, the salesman in me. I knew that if 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 he could hear hear the music, you know, firsthand, and then 
see the look on my face and on Chad's face and the level of seriousness that we had that he would work with. I just knew it. You know what I mean? So I knew that going into that mm-hmm. meeting, there was no way we were going to walk out with anything other than the desired result that we did. And he ended up, you know, working an amazing deal with us where um, awesome. it was beneficial in both parties. And um, because I didn't want, I, I don't want, I didn't want anything for free. I wouldn't I want anything cheap. I, so I wanted his, I wanted him to put his, I wanted him to love it. You know, that's what we wanted. We wanted him to right. love it, put as much love into it as, as we did. So really the money, you know, aspect of what this stuff cost really didn't, I didn't really care about. Um, I, what I cared about was that he was going to. He had to believe in it as much as we did. He had to believe it. If he didn't, if he looked at me in the face and I could tell he didn't believe, I would have walked out of Ben Gross's studio and went somewhere else. I yeah, guarantee you. And right. that was just I not the case. Right. No, that's great. I'm glad that that worked out. But like you said, yeah, you have to have people that are on the same page too. You know, anyone can mix it, but you want people that are going to be as passionate about it as you are, you know, and put their whole yeah. heart into it. So that's that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, well, when he so yeah, I mean, when, to put his name on it, you know what I mean? To have hit for him to have his name for him to want his name on it, you know, mm-hmm. was was enough right there. So <laughs> We could stop right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just for Ben Gross to say, "Yeah, let me put my name on this." I, all right, that, I can stop here. No, go, go no further. In that. Yeah. You know, that was an accomplishment because I admired him so much. That's great. Well, congrats with that. Great job. Um, let's real quick talk about a little bit of the artwork. Tell me a little bit about first of all the M with the logo. I like that, and you know, it has this like I don't even know how to describe it in terms of the. I don't know. I just where did you come up with that that M and just kind of the logo that you have just for the M by itself, and then I want to discuss the single artwork because that's just phenomenal. Uh, well, thank you. Um, the the M, you know, of course, uh, we have to give credit to Craig Howell for designing it, but um, Chiba Productions. Chiba Productions, but we we you know we tried a bunch of guys um, to create an icon because we knew that we wanted to have an icon in addition to just our name and our logo, and we knew mm-hmm. that we wanted it to be something that to be instantly recognizable and just classic and stand the test of time and all of those things, but we also wanted it to be something that was cool um, that people would want to, uh, to, wear. to wear because uh, merchandising yeah. is as much a part of making music as the music, itself, if not more. Definitely. No, it's really cool. You did it. And what was the name of this company again? Just because I, I love graphics and stuff like that. Uh, Chiba Productions. Um, he's done such things as like uh, all the Five Finger Death Punch um, stuff. He does books. Oh, wow. He does the American Idol logo. Raiders of the Lost Star. Yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. I, I mean, mean, he's one of those oh guys that, again, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense that he took <laughs> on our job. That he did. And, and we're, right. we're so grateful for that because he actually – he took us on as a kind of a pet project, a, a summer project. We um, when he wasn't allowed to, when, he yeah. promised his wife he would not do summer jobs. He would spend it with her and the kids. <laughs> and he and spent he over a year or longer on our stuff on his summer break. Yeah, um, he did, and well, he did all okay. of our so all it of our merch design. Passion, you know. Well, we we sent him we sent him the songs, and we told him our story, and we sucked him in, and um, you know he's become a you know. A, a really important member of our team and, a, and a, a friend, you know, even though we've only talked over the internet and over the phone for the last couple of years, but we've talked a lot. Wow. In the, 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 
into and, our, and our project. So yeah. And and going on, I said on that, like you know, we really gave him a lot of artistic freedom to design what. What, what did he, he? Yeah. What did he hear? What did he see yeah. or hear? You know. What because, did he hear? Did he, you know? How can he translate that visually? And we're all so so excited and happy with his work. It's just yeah. We just can't wait for them to get their hands on the the record because it's it's. You're going to open it up, and it's going to keep unfolding for days, it's going to seem like. But the, the artwork is so amazing, and it really, I think, tells the visual story of um, what the album was going to portray. Cool. Well, I mean, Make This Life, I mean, I just I love just the single cover for that. I mean, you have, you know, you just look at it. To me, it's like a Rorschach. There's just, you know, if you know what that is in psychology, you know, like an ink oh, You oh, look yeah. at it, there's so much going yeah. so on. Much, you know what I mean? So much depth. <laughs> It's so, yeah, it's, well, right, it that's just tells a good story. Yeah, and I mean, it's everything from this, this little child wearing, you know, a gas mask, and you got this, this fissure dividing the earth, and this weird bee flying around in a tricycle, and a rundown building, which, you know, I was looking at it, and I'm like, is this a business? Was it a psychiatric hospital? Like, what was it? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, he We want to awesome know why his job was so white. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I wasn't understanding how clean he looked. I think his, his socks were a little too clean. white. I was like, that is odd. <laughs> no, it's a, we love everything that he did in there. And there's a, a funny little uh, backstory about that little wine bottle that the, the kid is holding, um, which, you know, doesn't seem very significant at first when you first look at it. Um, and okay. but when we were shooting the actual music video for, for make this life. And we had the scene in the beginning where Derek has the encounter with the homeless um, actor played by a veteran friend of ours. And uh, we had brought a few props for him, but we didn't really plan that wardrobe out that he had on a whole great deal. He kind of just put it together himself and it just so happened to resemble the artwork that he had never seen, mind you, um, but he didn't have this, this wine bottle. And uh, it didn't even dawn on me to get the wine bottle, but uh, we were doing a rain delay. We were getting rained out, and I was just standing behind the building taking shelter, and about 100 yards away in an empty parking lot, I saw the reflection of a green glass bottle. And I just thought instantly, oh, we got to get this bottle for this scene. So I run over in the rain, and I pick up the bottle, and uh, I realized that it's not just an empty wine bottle. Well, yeah, but right when he was over there to get it, I looked through the fence because, I mean, he had to walk quite a ways to go get way. this bottle. And I looked at it when he picked <laughs> it up, and I'm like, man, the cork's still in that bottle. You can still see the cork sticking out. And that's like, that is very odd. No one ever keeps the cork if they're trying to slam a bottle of wine in a parking lot. Yeah, so we, but I pick it up, right. and it has a hint it to me. Yeah, yeah. But I pick it up, and it, and it has a unique image on it, and it of a – uh, and it's handwritten. It says yes now, and then on the other side of the bottle, it says message in a bottle. And I look inside of, it, and there's a freaking message in this bottle, right? Um, right. So I uh, I didn't immediately open the bottle up and read the message until after we we filmed that scene, and then um, we opened it up to to read what it said. And they should uh, go to our Instagram and see it. <laughs> yeah, it's on our Instagram, but I'll. I'll I'll, okay, I'll cool. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. I'll share it with you. Maybe you have some insight. I've tried to look this up, and I found virtually no information about this anywhere. So it's just very, again, serendipitous. Very serendipitous. Um, and uh, so the, earlier that week, we had been talking about the app Shazam, and about we were blown away by how many times we had been Shazammed or how many Shazams that we had uh, received. And, um, you know, we were – 
just saying that word a lot, Shazam, but we were referring to the app, right? But I, I pull this message right. out, and I, I unroll it. It's rolled up real tightly in the bottle, and I start to read it, and it says, yes, now. First of all, it's handwritten. I have to describe that, but you can go see it on our Instagram. We have posted it. But it's yeah, handwritten. It it, but it says, yes, now, Shazam. The universal mind flow has led you to this exact moment in time and space. Yes, it is happening now. The cosmic kismic trigger effect is co-creating the awakening of your inner Shazam samurai, which is catapulting your nitro-burning, fuel-injected, hoot-nanny, howling wolf love vent into making your wildest dreams manifest into reality at a fantastically accelerated rate. Yes, now. And that was the message in that wow. And, you know... This whole project has been has been an exercise of the secret. I mean, that's really you know we all had kind of gotten inspired early on by uh, the philosophy of the secret and being able to kind of just manifest stuff into existence. And that's really been like you know from vision boarding um, the song to vision boarding the gear and the equipment. Um, and that really was just it gave us chills and it was just kind of like a weird moment and like. It just I felt like we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing right now at this point in time. That's, that's or so someone cool. just really Better. jacking with me. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I hope you frame that thing. You got to keep that thing. That's so, oh, yeah. again, it's just it. like you said. We've got it. We've got it. Yeah. We've got it. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that was just a crazy, yeah, a really a crazy, cool story. crazy another crazy story. That's just uh, uh, how, like I said, it, everything is just fit together so so wonderfully. Yeah. No, it's just like it was meant to be. Like you said, all the little maybe yep. dips in the road, so to speak, and things that happen, they happen the way that they were meant to. So let's do yep, this because, again, right. we could probably talk another another hour, but I don't want to keep you guys on all night. Let's do this because I, exci- I was super excited when I saw that you guys were now added to the tour with Red and Lacey. I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you and those two together, I was like, I hope you're coming through New Jersey, but I don't know if you are. But anyway, when no, did you guys get on that so, tour? Yeah. Um, when did that happen that you guys got added? Uh, well, we've known about that for about a month or so. Um, we just couldn't talk okay. about it yet until all okay. the uh, stuff was all, all out and done with that. Gotcha. But um, we were actually going to go out with um, – we were looking at going out with Otherwise and Wayland. And uh, we were really about to, like, you know, go ahead and commit to that smaller club tour within um, our mm-hmm. management called us up and said, hey, we got to go out on this tour uh, with Red and, and Lacey. And we're like, well, uh, we'd already known um, the touring drummer for Red and a few other guys in that band just through mutual friends and other bands touring with. And uh, so, we, you know, instantly called everybody up. Like, oh, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be great. And um we couldn't say no, so you know we are now going on the red tour. <laughs> yeah, congrats! That's Lee. awesome. And righteous yeah, vendetta. Really, yeah, really, really. Definitely, yeah. Righteous vendetta. Saw that too. Yeah. Interestingly, I had two of the three of them on my show a while back. I got to get red on at some point <laughs> and round it oh, out. Oh, yeah. But um, oh, well, we'll try to work that out for you. Yeah. And then after, right after oh, that tour, right, of course, cool. we're going to have our album release. And uh, we're going to be going out on a headlining, co-headlining tour with a band called Shallow Side that's going to carry us uh, oh, yeah. in the summertime. And, um, then we've got, you know, more stuff being added to our tour schedule every day. So um, 
Um, I think we were kicking around, you know, the idea of a couple other bands just the other day about hitting the roads with this summer. So we're excited about getting out and meeting all the new fans, and we're just going to keep touring and playing these songs until they until they tell us to stop. Yeah, we're going to go out and earn these fans. We're going to leave it on the stage every single right. night for you. Mhm. That's great. That's great. I mean, congrats, guys. So much great things happening for you, and I'm so again honored that I had a chance to interview you guys. And of course, you're always welcome back on. So oh, you know, please keep you. in thank touch you. too. Thank you. Oh yeah. Definitely. So, go ahead. That's it, really. I mean, we appreciate you so oh, okay. much, man, and all, you know everyone out there. You know that yeah. does. You know. Keep spreading the name. Keep spreading the message. Keep spreading the message. Join the Messer Machine. You know, find us on our socials. We uh, try to keep everybody up to date on what's going on, um, where we'll be. Chat us up. we got a lot of time driving on the road. uh, uh, Yeah, we always try to post funny stuff, so make sure you follow us when we're on tour. Cool. Well, thank you so much again, guys. I can't wait to hear the album. I wish you all the success with the album, the upcoming multiple tours you're going to be having, and hopefully we will uh, be in touch at some point. Yeah, let's do this again when the album comes out. We'll get you an advanced copy, and we'd love to talk to you uh, after you listen to the whole to the whole album and see, you know, what you Definitely. think. Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention before I forget, because I thought this was really cool. This was one thing that really also stood out with me um, when I was reading about you guys is that you really focused on this album with putting the songs together, you know, sequentially to listen to it as an album. And that meant so much to me because I'm still one of those people that loves listening to an album. When I'm working out, it's not like singles and piecemealing stuff. Like I want to hear an album from start to finish. And it's very rare, you know, that I come across, you know, an album where I'm like, cool, there's several that have come out recently that are phenomenal. Um, But I'm really excited to to hear your guys from start to finish and, and the, the fact that you conceptualized it like that. Yeah, we we feel it tells a really uh, a, a really good story. It sets you know each song is almost like a different scene in our. Uh, it's a roller lives. coaster. It's a um, roller coaster for sure of emotions. I mean, you cool. know, passion in every song, cool. and you know, there's a couple on there that are more like ballads that uh, oh, people yeah. will be heavily surprised uh, to hear. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much again. I wish you much success, and we will definitely be in touch. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Carrie. Okay. Have a great night, Derek and Maddox. Take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Again, Derek and Maddox from Messer. If you, for some reason, tuned into the show a little late, um, you can listen to the podcast when it's over. And great interview with these guys, hour and 15 minutes, nonstop, so many cool stories they had to share, and just a really humble, amazing band. So be sure to check them out. Go to their social media sites, like they said, like them on Facebook, like them on Instagram, um, pre-order a copy of their album, and uh, check them out on tour. They're coming up with uh, the Unstoppable Screams tour with uh, Red and Lacey Sturm. So again, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, Please check out my podcast. I have over 225 now interviews. Again, each one's unique with a different artist, entertainer, and I'll take you on a really cool journey. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at Carrie Edelman. I'm also on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. And uh, the Facebook page, The Carrie Edelman Show, you can like that. It's the upcoming interviews that I have. And please feel free to also befriend me on Facebook. It's great to keep in touch with people that way, too. So thanks again tonight uh, for tuning in, and have a great night. Actually, I have some more interviews coming up, too, just solidifying them. So 
check out my page that I'm going to be posting within a week uh, or less, another interview I'm going to be having next Monday. Thanks again, and have a great night.